Hey pals, welcome back. This is season three, episode four of Every Gay Sex. You're here with your pal Kato. Welcome. And you're here with Stel and Sarah, as per usual. How's it going, everyone? Amazing. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a 10 out of 10 right now. Thank you for asking. Yes, of course. So, are you right now? Like, where are you located? Like, where are you recording? Like, where so am I was... I, oh, currently? Yeah. I'm I'm located in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Okay. Canada. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. What is it out there? Is it cold? No, actually, the weather has been quite ideal. It's been really nice. You know, global warming is really taking its toll. Oh, for um, sure. It's been really sunny and warm, and I'm not complaining. I was wearing a t-shirt the other day. Oh, frig. Must be nice. My winter coat's yeah, out. Frig. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So, um, okay. So, that, yes. Yeah, so, Kay's here with us today. We are so excited. Um, I will give a more formal introduction here. Um, so, wait, let me ask you this. Why are you here on our episode today? Well, Sarah actually asked me to be on this podcast. I also feel like I have a few things I got to say. Mm-hmm. So, um, d- does that delve into how we know each other? Or no, I'll start. I'll start with your bio. So, um, oh, cool. Kate is a trans mask non-binary influencer who is sharing and showcasing the trans experience and spreading trans joy to all of those around them. They are a parent, a member of the polyamorous community, and an extroverted silly goose who's on both a healing and gender journey. Is that right? Sounds accurate, yeah. Yeah, I love that. That sounds cute. (laughs) Amazing. And so, yeah, so we have you on here today because Stella and I believe that you have a ton of things to share with the queer community, a uh, ton of experiences. And like we just said, you are at this point an influencer for our community. And we're really, really excited and honored that you have taken the time to share your journey with us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate you having me. I'm excited. You know, I will just throw out there that you are popping my podcast cherry. I am oh. a virgin. No longer. Yes. Oh, so, hey, uh, we've been doing that for a few people and it feels good. Oh, <laughs> this is great. Yes. And hey, before we keep going, I just want to do when we have a guest, we normally do just a quick pronoun round table. So um, I use she, her pronouns still. Yeah. Uh, she, her is fine. Yes. I am they, them. That is me. Mm hmm. Cool. Okay. Good. 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 Nice. Now, now, Kate, please, please share with our viewers, our listeners, how how do we know each other? How did we like? How did that happen? Well, as as most lesbians, (laughs) as most lesbians meet, it's usually online. Um. I 
am a little bit active on TikTok. And there was a, I think in the fall of last year, Sarah had a series of um, thirst trap TikToks that she was posting that maybe possibly sort of caught my attention. Like maybe. Um, And Sarah was also pretty vocal about post or commenting on my, on my TikTok. So we knew about each other and then eventually we added each other on TikTok as friends or we followed each other, whatever. Um, I think I sent her a message first, actually, saying Ooh. something that I will not disclose here today. <laughs> um, we, we chatted for a bit and um, eventually we exchanged numbers and uh, essentially what she said was oh my god my tiktok crush is messaging me this is such a great day because i did look back on our text today just for (laughs) for proof because i know that there was something said like that but essentially you were you were excited about your tiktok crush aka me Uh so you know we we chatted for a while and I'll let you maybe take that from here. Why don't you? Why don't you add? Why don't you add to that a little bit? Um, I mean that really says it. <laughs> that really says it. We, yeah, we were talking for a little while. Leave you guys alone. Like <laughs> <laughs> this for for everyone watching. There's so this is Sarah and I's first time talking in live in the live form you know yeah 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 the previous to this conversation we have only exchanged late night voice clips and photos and maybe videos as well actually like probably like yes yeah i remember it's coming back to me now yeah. You, why are you acting like you didn't just scroll up in our conversation earlier today? I didn't look through all of it. I wanted to go to the beginning to see what you said about your fangirling, essentially what you, <laughs> <laughs> you were kind of fangirling a little bit. Yeah. I think it was the mullet. It was the mullet. that That's what did it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the gay mullet is really, I think. It is. I don't know what it's about right now. It, it and- truly yeah, I get it. The way you should get one. The way that I have one. Maybe... Oh, it's, it's just, it's just not, it's not like it's, it's just like a baby a one. Baby one. Yeah. Yeah. I wish you all the best. <laughs> I've had a longer one before and it was like blonde, half blonde, half dark. And that was dirty. But I couldn't Ooh. do that one. I know. You had to let it go. I had let to. go, let go. That's what I always say. I don't say. Yeah, my partner at the time was like, absolutely not. And I was really? like, fair. Yeah, I like love it. like the flow behind like that. So nice. Oh, my current. What's that acronym we use again? CSP current sexual my partner. Current CSP loves it. So I've never heard that acronym in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like it. We're, we're teaching you things, and you're teaching us. Very things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we just get right into it then? Yeah, Amazing. we've got like 
because we've had many months of preparing for this most exciting episode of our lives, um, we've compiled all the days of our lives. (laughs) (laughs) We've come up with so many questions. I categorized everything into like themes so that we could. Yeah, we have like five main topics and then a good amount of questions for each. Great. Mm -hmm. And I'm a chatty bitch, so it's fine. Perfect. (laughs) Amazing. So our first topic is we want to talk to you about abolishing gender so um tell us about your journey with gender okay (laughs) um my journey so essentially from a very very young age uh probably about like five i knew that i was into girls Mm -hmm. um i had a a vicious crush on someone in my kindergarten class and um i knew that the norm was to have crushes on boys but i was like ew no no thank you i'm good um and there were some cute boys in my class you know and and uh they were you know i was just not into it so uh, but it wasn't probably till i was like six or seven that i recognized that there was something different about me that wasn't just like oh i'm into girls um, so I, I grew up in small town, Saskatchewan, in a town of about 900 people, and there was no representation for me there. There was no one like me that was transgender or even queer in any that I knew about. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was, I can't remember if I was six or seven, but it was around that age where um, I essentially thought that I was like a biological phenomenon that... Mm-hmm. I was the only person like me in the entire world that had, that was born with, I always thought of it as like, I was born with the, with a brain that was trapped in the wrong body. Mm. And, and so that was very clear to me that something was not right. And, you know, growing up in a small town like that, um, being who I was, was very much going against the grain uh, I got bullied a lot, and I thought that I was just like not normal in quotations. Like, you know, I I spent a lot of time being like, I'm not normal. I'm not su- I I not supposed to be the way that I am. If that makes sense. Um, so I grew up very much embracing who I was because I couldn't. There were a lot of situations where I had to be forced to wear, like, a dress or something feminine or whatever. And I remember specifically on my eighth birthday, my friends, you know, when you're that young, your friend's parents typically buy the gift for you. <clears throat> and if it would have been my friend's choice, they wouldn't have got me these things. But I remember getting Britney's, I think it was Britney Spears' second album oh. on cassette tape. Someone gifted me that. And I was just like, I just opened it, stared at it. And like, it took everything in me not to be like, do you even know me? Like, do you even know me? But I knew in that moment, I was like, your mom definitely bought this for me. But I was just so mortified. I was like, I literally hate this. This is not something that I would ever listen to. Like, it's just like, and then I got all these like nail sets and I got, 
um, hair beading kits and whatever. And I was just like, this is not who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was, it was, it made me feel extremely uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of walked through the world for several years, um, dressing in my brother's clothing and, um, because it was the nineties, I had a, a mushroom cut that was like a thing that was popular back then. And from that too, I, it was like the only haircut my mom would let me get because it was like in style, but I wanted to get something shorter, but that was a haircut that I held on to for probably like, probably like seven years or something because it was the only haircut oh, I was allowed to get. Um, yeah. Yeah. You but anyway, so yeah. Well, there was one time that I went to the the like barber or whatever, and they accidentally cut it shorter, and I was like, "Yes, yeah!" Like <laughs> I was able to spike it up and do little oh. spikies, you know. And so I'm probably like, really "What did they do?" Oh, I don't even know. They cut it too short. <laughs> yeah, I think my mom was upset, but I was just like, "Yes, this yeah. is what I want," <laughs> you know. Um. But anyway, there was a period of time um, when I was going through puberty where, you know, things start happening that you're like, oh my god, this is the most horrifying thing ever to happen to me. So I started experiencing growing breasts and getting my period and all that stuff. And I think I cried for months like it was just it was so mortifying to me it was it felt so unnatural and and it wasn't like what I wanted to be going through and when you're experiencing that like you can't hide those things you know what I mean it's something that people notice and I I feel like I had it easy as a kid because when like pre-puberty like you nobody really cares that much and they don't treat you too much differently and but it's when you hit puberty that you get to that point where everyone everyone's everyone's hitting puberty and it's a weird time but you know when those things started becoming noticed by others it just made me more uncomfortable and dysphoric and everything um so that was shitty but um essentially there was a point there was a turning point when i was 12 where i was babysitting for my cousin and I was such a movie kid that, like, every time I babysat, I was, like, excited to just kind of peruse her, her D DVD collection. And so that's what I did. And I came across Boys Don't Cry with Hilary Swank. And I was like, oh, I don't really know what this movie is about because it didn't really, like, describe it on the back, I don't think. So I popped mm -hmm. it in and I watched this movie. And I was just, like, it was this moment where I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm I'm not the only person on this earth that is like this yeah because for people that don't know this this movie is about a trend uh, it's a it's a true story about brandon tina who was a transgender man in the south uh in the southern u.s and i was watching this movie being like holy shit like this is me like mm -hmm. i'm not the only one because i genuinely walked through life for so many years thinking i was the only person like this but the issue with this movie is that in the end so like as the movie was progressing i was like oh my god this is like amazing like I'm, i i get to see that this this person exists but then in the end this human gets raped and killed in the end 
And so that was like a huge moment for me that I was like, oh, okay. So mm-hmm. like, I can't tell anyone about this because like this could be my feet too. Like, I don't know. So that was, that was the point in my life where I was like, okay, I'm going to change now. I'm going to start dressing feminine. I'm going to hide this part of me and I'm going to start blending in, you know? So that was, was, that was, was I was 12. 12. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought you said. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably about a year later that I started dressing differently, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I literally asked my best friend at the time to be like, Hey, I need you to help me with this thing. Mm-hmm. I need you to go shopping with me. I need you to teach me how to do my makeup. I need you to teach me how to do my hair because I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so she did that, you know, because I asked her to, not because she pressured me to. Yeah, just, yeah, but it's yeah. But okay. uh so then from 13 on until about April of this past year, I essentially just kind of suppressed this side of me that I knew was very very much a piece of me mm-hmm. um so i came out as uh trans non-binary in april of this past year what okay amazing yeah. so that's that's where we're at and uh How i do haven't you looked back i feel fucking amazing good that's good that's really good. I didn't. Really yeah. good. I didn't, uh, I didn't you actually even was... answered another question of ours, which was like, at what point in your life did you know that you didn't align with the gender you were assigned at birth, which you had said at five, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how how young you really do know yourself in that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. You know what I mean? I did didn't. You, uh... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, sir. I didn't realize it was that recent that. Um that part of your journey kind of transpired but before that like over the last few years you were like at one point did you um like come out as gay or whatever like um i came out when i was probably about 18 like i didn't officially like announce it but i started dating a girl when i was 18 i started dating one when i was 17 but when i was 18 i had moved to the city and I just didn't hide it. I didn't hide that I was with a girl. And I just kind of was like, fuck it. If people find out, I really don't care anymore. You know, I'm in a safe place. I have people around me who support me mm-hmm. and whatever. Like, I'm out of the small town, Saskatchewan. Fuck them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I came in around then, but I still was so... All I could think about was how... um people thought of even just lesbians back then yeah you know everybody around me made fun of butch lesbians and i just had spent so long being bullied my whole childhood that like i didn't want to be bullied again so i avoided dressing in anything that was like masculine i I avoided cutting my hair i just continued to suppress all of those things that i felt and so i tried being a lipstick lesbian Oh, geez. Which is hilarious to me. Looking back, I'm just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like that, it was so uncomfortable. I was, I felt like I was fully wearing a costume all the time, you know? I've been through that phase as well, where I was wearing like little black dresses, heels, long hair, makeup, and I wanted to die. 
need to see. <laughs> just, no. just yeah, you know what? I can relate. I'm gonna send you right now so you can see my prom picture. Oh, and I wore this, yes, please. this long fuchsia dress. And fuchsia. Mine was yeah. olive green. I did I wish. Honestly, my mom had like begged me to wear all this. And I actually went to prom with my best friend who I had this like big crush on. I had loved him. Well, I thought that's what it was, obviously. And I, I like didn't really come out myself until like grade 10, 11. But even then I was like, I'm bisexual. Like, I don't know. Like, well, that's the gateway. Yeah. <laughs> that's the gateway. Like, like you te- you're like essentially testing how people will react to just bisexuality, right? Exactly. And then years I, later, I, he came yeah. out and he's super gay and I'm super gay. And yeah. <laughs> is your so, beard a little bit? There, there's this photo of both of us when we are wow. string. Okay. Let me just oh, send you. I see it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't wait. Oh, God. Oh, sweet angel. <laughs> yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, love I that see both it. Both and you came out, though. I love that both people end up gay. You know, and, and. But how do you feel? What What's your What's your gender like? Like, how do you feel about yourself in that way? Are you starting to kind of delve into that journey for yourself? Um, I would say, uh, I'm, I always hear these stories of people being like, oh, at a young age, like I knew, I knew, and I don't really know if I had that, to be honest. Uh, and like, it's kind of weird because I think I should have considering how like gay I am now, but it's like, I don't know. I just like have this yeah, pressure. Hey, you're gay. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but I don't know about this. It sounds like a lie. It sounds made up. <laughs> Looking at uh, you, I would have never guessed. Trust me, you'd be surprised. <laughs> um, I think yeah, you have like, to do a lot of convincing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's one of those kind of those kind of situations, you know. Yeah, uh, I gotta have like a carabiner or some kind of lesbian lanyard or something. Well, the hat's doing it for me. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like, I kind of. Uh, eventually met my first like i'm from a small town as well um like it's called picton really really small uh, there's one street and everyone lives on the outskirts of it everyone knows everyone i'd get wasted tell the cab driver to take me home and he knows where i live and who my parents are like yeah it was super sure. small and there was no gay people and then in my high school one lesbian came out and everyone was kind of nice to her but also like scared to be in the change room with her and stuff like that and I didn't really get it but then I met my first like bisexual person before I met them like this was like I met them in grade nine and we weren't that close so I didn't really know much of them um and then grade nine summer I went to like my first party and then I met this bisexual older girl who was like already graduated high school and I had like there was just something about her. And I was like, what is it? And I was like, oh, nothing. It's nothing. And then fast forward a couple months, she's like, I want to kiss you. She kisses me at a bonfire. 
like the bisexual girl, not the friend from high school or elementary, yeah, high school. And I like pushed her away, and I was like, oh, "What are you doing? So- I'm not gay." <laughs> and yeah. then I was like, "Wait a second, let's try again." <laughs> and then yeah, and yeah. then I was like, I "No, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah." And then uh, I think that's the case for so many AFAB people, like. They don't really know until they actually have that connection with somebody. Yeah, and then after that, you haven't looked back. No, I kind of haven't, and it, it was really hard though, because like my family was very religious, so I spent the yeah. next four years in high school still dressing girly and like saying that I liked both. And then I went to my first year of college, and I was still saying that I liked both, and still kind of dressing girly but with like hints of some like male clothing and then my second year of college I started getting a little bit more comfortable wearing like men's clothing and then yeah, after that thing. like it was like only men's clothing and as of right now I have gone through some moments where I'm like am I trans I don't know I mm-hmm. feel you had said something <clears throat> earlier that said that you had felt like your brain was like fine but you're you're like but your brain felt like you were born in the wrong body and that's how i feel like i was born in half the wrong body so Mm -hmm. i'm in the process of trying to get top surgery right now um but it's not easy um Mm -hmm. especially someone who doesn't identify as trans or non-binary there are points sometimes where i kind of do consider myself as non-binary but sometimes it's more like gender fluid um but i'm yeah. definitely still having questions about being trans like i guess something i can ask you is when you were realizing your sexuality and your gender was there any points where you were like okay if i'm trans there's parts of it that i align with but other parts of being trans that i don't align with align with or do you do you just fully align with it entirely i think that because we're we were raised in society that just is so hell-bent on creating binaries like i think that growing up i just i wanted to be a boy because that's all i really knew i didn't know there was a gray area i didn't know there was an in-between um but as i've like gotten older I've recognized that I also don't want to be a man. Like, I don't yeah. actually want that. I don't want to take tea. I don't want to grow body hair. And I don't want... exactly where I'm in right I now. I don't want that. It's I'm, really I'm happy with where I'm at. It's just there was... There's just a couple things that were truly in my way. Yeah. From making... From... from they were just preventing me from feeling truly, like like, comfortable in my body... And, you know, now having that, that dialogue that surrounds the in-between, um, I've been able to really sink into that and embrace it and be like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm, I just, you know, having, having boobs was just not, not for me. And I think even for people, I know humans in this area who are not non-binary either mm-hmm. who get essentially get gender affirming breast reductions or top surgery because it still affirms like who they are 
even if they identify as female, it let's just be honest, titties are just not for everyone. Yeah. And they, I wish yeah. that we had a choice yeah, <laughs> whether or not we wanted them. Yeah. Or like I wish and if I got them since I got them, I wish they were smaller. It'd be a little easier to hide them, but they're not. And so then I'm like it's like a constant struggle every day. And that's kind of what I say is that I just I just feel like you don't have to have boobs to identify as a female or you know what I mean? And don't and so because I mean, when you have them it's a constant reminder, at least for someone like me, it's a constant reminder of like this isn't what i meant for like you can't hide that that's the thing yeah you wake up you put on a fucking bra yeah you're reminded all day that they exist and they don't belong on you and then you take your bra off at the end of the day and you're like fuck like i wish i didn't have to do this all the time you're reading (laughs) yeah you can't hide them nah and there's like so many I just like switched all my summer and winter clothes and so many clothes that I'm like, oh, like I'm just going to keep yeah. it in the drawer because like hopefully one day I'll have top surgery and I can wear it again. But like as of right now, it like just makes it too noticeable for me. Totally. And that's the thing. That was always my, oh, it was such a stressful thing for me transitioning from winter to spring to summer it was just like oh god here we go i can't wear layers anymore because i will die of heat stroke it's not ideal you know you can't cover them up so it was always it was always a nightmare for me being like okay what can i wear that's like as comfortable as i can get myself where you know i'm not yeah passing this line they're visible they're there right it's it's a constant struggle but i will say now that i don't have them Mm -hmm. it's very much um like i'm excited to go shopping i love it yeah it's like i do it all the time i go i I go to i go thrifting all the time because i'm like oh my god i can fit this shirt properly i don't have to hide any part of me like it fits around my body the way that i've always wanted to right and sometimes i'm like oh this shirt would totally fit if i didn't have my boobs (laughs) yeah yeah just like definitely but anyways so so that's kind of where i'm at that's uh, and thanks for your answer there that is a good way to put it and so kate what like wrapping that kind of wrapping this whole conversation up um not this whole conversation but this topic what does um what would you say abolishing gender means to you i know you have a tattoo something of that right you have something related to <laughs> yeah. that yeah i have a tattoo on my arm it's a essentially a, a gravestone and written on it says gender rules um because to me that is dead and i mean gender is just one piece of the several binaries that society has has created like these constructs that exist that it's just black or white and if you're outside of the black white if you're in this gray area like you're 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 criticized for it you know like people are they feel so fucking uncomfortable with anything that goes in between. And so for me, abolishing gender also goes hand in hand with abolishing 
the constructs of relationships, monogamy, um, marriage, and fuck all all those things. It's like, why can't we? What I want is for society to get to a point where there is just one giant gray area to be like, okay. I'm listening to myself. I'm not listening to everyone else. I'm not listening to the noise about what everybody thinks is the norm and what we should be doing. What do I actually want? Because in my opinion, like our bodies know before our, our brains know what we want. Like, why do you think so much fucking anxiety exists among everyone? Like our bodies know better. Like listen to your gut. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, this thing stresses me out. I'm stre- I I'm depressed about this. I'm feeling anxious about this. And it takes our brain like however long to actually realize like what it is that we want, but it's it's I think it's because of the constructs that are in place that it's like we're not allowed to let our our brains go in this direction of like, "Oh, what do I actually want and need?" You know what I mean? Because I mean, media the media like everything that occurs within it is just so like everything is put into a box everything is labeled everything is black or white abolishing gender to me is very much just being like why can't we all just start from a fresh slate and like Mm. okay we have this particular sexual organ well that doesn't mean shit you know Mm. what i mean like why can't we just let everyone choose how they feel and like to walk through this world um trusting how we feel about everything mm-hmm. and just using our intuition because i mean there are so many people out there that that don't give kids enough credit they don't allow children to make decisions based on how they feel and i think that's bullshit Sorry. Because kids know kids know exactly what they want. It's parents who struggle to allow their kids to follow their gut because they're so afraid. They're scared. They're uncomfortable. We grew up in a world where it's like we weren't allowed to indulge in these things. And so there's a fear there for us, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just about as humans just actually listening to ourselves. And I just have a a side kind of question off that. Like, first of all, really powerful, everything you're saying. Um, I'm encouraged by Stella and I's idea to have you here because I feel like everything you're saying is going to be um, really relatable to a lot of people. So that's exciting. Um, You talked about... um, you know, when you knew and, and growing up and childhood, uh, what was your family's reaction and what is the relationship now? I feel like a lot of young queer people go through this, like whether it's coming out as gay or trans or any gender thing, like things going on, the fear is always, what are my parents going to think, especially when they're 12, 13 years old. So I'm just curious what your parents' reaction was and where it is now um that you're uh, you know an adult yeah yeah i mean coming out as queer my parents were actually really great about it i think the there was something that kind of happened earlier i think i was like 16 where there was a a rumor in my family going around that i was gay 
And mm. obviously at that time I wasn't ready. <laughs> I wasn't ready to tell my parents. I was like, no, that's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but then when I actually did come out, I would have been, yeah, 18. And my parents were totally fine. I was like crying. My mom's like, why are you crying? Like, boys suck. It's okay. Uh, I was really surprised by that reaction. Um, but coming out as trans, I would say it's been tough. It's just, I think, genuinely because of the nature of my family. A lot of them are still very small town. They're in a bubble. They don't really understand still what it means. Yeah. They still don't really get what non-binary and so I've had to have conversations being like, do you remember how I grew up? Do you remember how I felt? Do you remember what I looked like? Like that was the most authentic version of me up until now. Because there was this whole chunk of time where I was fully not being me. I was covering it up. I was trying to blend in. But like that wasn't actually me. You know, and so, like, going back to this, I actually saw one of my childhood best friends, the one who helped me change. Um, I saw her, she was here um, this past week, and she was just like, I'm looking at you, and I'm just seeing the 12-year-old version of you right now. And, like, that is who I know you to be. I was like, I I, I appreciate that so much, because, like, that is who I am. That's who I've always been. It's just, you know, you go, some people have, have an extended part of their journey where they're just not mm-hmm. authentically them. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've really circled back to that. And mm-hmm. what's what's your advice to people that are in that position? Like, the, what is your advice to people that are yeah. questioning their gender or their sexuality and haven't quite figured out how to um, be themselves? Uh. I think I think for me it's I mean I spoke on just really listening to yourself and what you actually want and need and not letting that noise um like skew how you feel about yourself but also a big thing that I've come to realize over the years is that like and, and not not as much because I've experienced it, because I've, I've seen it. I've had a lot of support. I feel very lucky. Like, when I moved to Saskatoon, I immediately gravitated towards the queer community. I was like, I'm not... Like, I need people that I can relate to. I've spent so long not doing that. But, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people who spend their time with humans that, like, don't support them. And... I think to, like if you're feeling a certain way about yourself and you're you're surrounding yourself with people who don't support you or at least don't try to understand or who try to sway you or shame you from doing what you need to do for yourself you need to find new people you need to you need to be around those who are going to be in your corner that's like one of the hugest things because if you don't feel like you have support you're going to continue just in the same rut of, you know, feeling shameful about who you are. Mm -hmm. And once you find those that you can relate to and talk to these things about, like, I think that's really going to make a big difference. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. yeah, That's really good advice. Thank you. And uh, 
moving over to our next topic, Stella, I'll let you um, lead this one. Yeah. Um, so our next topic is top surgery. So mm-hmm. you kind of mm-hmm. got into it a bit earlier about your experience with gender affirming surgery and let's kind of dive in deeper into did you experience any kind of um, obstacles and if so like what did you face uh, what do you wish would have been easier yeah um okay I will start off by saying that I feel very fortunate with my top surgery experience because I think that a lot of people will be surprised to hear that the process in Saskatchewan is not that bad. It's actually really? pretty good. Yeah. Um, there That's... is a an organization that started off as a pilot project in Saskatchewan through the government called the Trans Health Navigator. Mm-hmm. And I think I think I don't I don't know hundred percent, but I think that it was like maybe a year long pilot project just to see how it would actually benefit people in Saskatchewan that are transgender or genderqueer. And um, essentially what these two people do, there's two people that represent Saskatchewan North and Saskatchewan South that are both trans men. And they help you with anything that you need, essentially for your like gender journey. So it can be anything from like, oh, you can email them and be like, I need to find a therapist who maybe understands or can talk about transness, who is queer, or that I can feel like I feel like that I can trust. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to know the process of getting gender affirming top surgery or bottom surgery or whatever. It's just like you send them an email, and they can kind of guide you in the right direction. If it, you know, if it's like, how do you, how do I change my name? How do I change my gender marker? Um, so that's actually where I started. I saw that they were a resource and I didn't even hesitate to email and be like, yo, I started off being like, I want to find a therapist that I can talk to because I couldn't find anyone. I, cu- I Googled and I was like, I can't find anyone. I found one person that was trans, but I couldn't book in with them because they were so heavily booked. So mm. I ended up talking to someone who I, you know, who knew a little bit about what I was going through. And from there, um, I knew that I just had to book in with my physician and talk about what I needed. And then uh, from there, essentially here, you, they, a letter gets sent off to the surgeon in Saskatchewan that does it. And then you're just on a wait list. And it's not that long. I think from the moment that I spoke to my physician to the day that I got my surgery it was probably about seven months. And, um, at the, the place that I got the surgery done, my nurse was queer, uh, and the surgery, one of the surgery nurses I think was a trans woman. Like I just felt so incredibly comfortable. They started off by asking me my pronouns and they made me feel extremely like, you know, I think for the most part, everybody there was queer. And I was so happy to see that, like, in this environment, they were hiring people that were a representation of, like, what we were trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have Have you ever had surgery still? Like, any kind of surgery? Like, no, one yeah, that I've just been under. 
Like not anything to yeah. put on your but I've had like surgery on my ankle. Okay, well that counts, right? So like you know that you go under, you do the thing, and it's like a process. But for me, um, the second I woke up from surgery, I just cried. I cried yeah. and I cried and I cried because I was just so, it was just so healing for me. You know, leading up to the surgery, I was like having moments of like, this is the last time I will ever put a bra on. And then I cried. Yeah. And then as I was I getting ready for the surgery, I was like, this is the last time I'll ever take a bra off. Yeah. And then I cried again. Yeah. And then walked into the surgery being like, let's fucking do this. I've never yeah. been more ready for something in my life. Yeah. It was probably, you know, really and so, and when I, I was very emotional and I woke up and usually like when you wake up and you're on anesthetic a little bit, like you're a little bit yeah. emotional to begin with, but I just like fucking bawled my eyes out yeah. for hours. Yeah. When I think about the um, process, like when I think about the process, I remember I like tried about like imagining like coming out of it. And so yeah. that's kind of how I know like that's it's, probably the right decision. Yeah, true. From that, from that moment on, like, my life completely changed, you know? Yeah. And, yes, recovering from surgery is, is, it's its own thing. It hurts. It sucks. But, like, I was on such a fucking high that none of that mattered. Yeah. I just, I spent two weeks on my own doing so much healing, like, trying on my shirts and being like oh my god like this is what i've been waiting for my like since i was 12 years old you know what i mean so like yes surgery is it's whatever but there's no there's no comparable feeling to when you actually feel like you're in the body you're supposed to be in do you know what i mean i yeah i get it that's sick yeah nice yeah like it, the it, yeah. Here is much more difficult like, sucks i know, you know? so it really I, sucks. I, I probably about six five years ago and um they like got me an appointment with a doctor about two to three months after my initial like appointment and the doctor the doctor that i went to was kind of like they asked me all these questions. They were like, are you trans? And I was like, no. And they're like, are you non-binary? And I was like, no. And they're like, okay. And then they came back and they're like, so since you're none of those two, we can't really, you won't be accepted for being covered by OSAP. And you have to pay out of pocket. And it's around like 15 grand. And Damn. I was just like, and I remember I like held it in. And then she's like, and so she's like, okay, so that's that. And she's like, I'm going to let you be for a bit. And then I'll be back with some more, like, info. And I was like, okay. And then she, like, left. And I remember, like, just bawling. Like, I don't think I've ever cried like that in a long time. Like, that was, like, the kind of crying that you just couldn't stop. It just, like, wouldn't yeah. wow. And I was like, what the heck? It just, like, kept. And I was just, like, I felt super defeated. And then... They also were like, and also we don't really do those here. I'm surprised that your doctor referred you to here. And I was like, great. And then a couple years later, I tried again because it kind of deferred me for a while. And now, and then like recently, the last about five months ago, six months ago, I tried again. And 
the they're like the doctor was like this stupid like this white old man and he was kind of like well why why do you want to get it done like don't you want what if you just get a reduction and i'm like why are you questioning me like just send me to like just refer me to someone and, I, and then we can, you really don't have to talk about this ever again like and then he referred me he said if i don't get a call in a month to call them i didn't get a call so i called them and they were like oh that's so weird your doctor's office didn't call you they're like we we responded immediately when we got the referral a month ago and said that we actually no longer do that surgery at this hot location so we can't like take the referral and i was like great so I just kind of was waiting around for nothing. And then I have a coworker at the school that I work at. And they're also going through like some like male to female kind of things. And they're like, Stella, give me your phone. And they emailed this social worker for me that was in Quebec. And I went and talked to them for free. And they were incredible. Like I've never had so much information anywhere else, anywhere I've ever gone in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. No information. No one had any information where I could get the surgery, who I could speak to, what I needed in order to get it done. Nobody could tell me anything. And there was like a location here by where I live that supposedly did have that information, but they wouldn't even give me anything. They were like, oh, our wait list is full as well. And I was like, holy fuck, like every mm-hmm. part I'm turning. And then this person was super great. They gave me the information for two therapists that I could speak to in order to get my no. The clinic that does it in Montreal and what, because they're going through the process as well. So they just sent me everything that they needed to do to get into this clinic and all these things. And like, it was crazy. So like, I've had to go through like a large, large, hard time trying to get to this process, but like, Damn. That that must be nice though to like kind of be able well, to do it. I think too. Like, I think too because yeah, I guess there's that there's that gray area. Like I'm not, I don't identify as non-binary. I don't identify as like trans. Mm-hmm. Like it's tra- like the term trans is just anything other than the gender you were assigned at birth, right? So oh. there's a gray area because I think if you don't identify as trans in any way, like the most you can get is a gender affirming breast reduction. Mm-hmm. I think that will change eventually. Yeah. I think it's just, it's, it's interesting in the health, like in the healthcare system, like they don't know where to draw the line. They, they really don't know. No, they really don't. So yeah, that, that sucks. I'm sorry that, that you, that's your experience. I feel, okay. I feel very fortunate for not it's- having to, gone through that because i know that i'm i'm there's people like you out there that have gone through yeah but it's definitely like moving forward now finally and i actually kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel which is like something i've never seen before every other time i've tried to do this so fingers crossed um i do have a few other questions in this topic though hit me um i guess you kind of mentioned before but we'll just kind of go over it again which is I would like you to give me one word that describes, so you can give me three words. So one word that described how you felt before your surgery, during, and then one word what you felt during, and one word that you felt after. Or if you have one word that describes the entire thing, by all means. But, oh. yeah. 
I think, I think before I would say just like ecstatic, mm-hmm. you know, so intent mm-hmm. during, um, like healed. Yeah. Maybe is probably I, a good word. And then after was just like pure euphoria. Yeah. Pure euphoria. Word. I felt I felt euphoric for months. Yeah. Nothing. I was untouchable. I was like, yeah. Nothing will bring me down. <laughs> um, and my 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 saying during those months of healing, I was just like, better than tits, I always say. So nothing can bring me down. Anything that was like negative I was like better than tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will quote you on that when I get mine done. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this is sad. Well, better than tits. I yeah. Get through this. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I yeah. guess you wouldn't really do anything differently, do you think? Or No, not, not at all. I mean, I think the only obstacle in this whole process was really myself. Yeah. You know, it was it was taking this long to just listen to myself and admit what I really wanted in my life and uh again I I know that I was fortunate with my experience I know that this is not the case for everyone but Mm. the obstacle was just me yeah just no that's great you need to let go of what everybody Mm. thinks like who cares this is what you want just working through that that those suppressed deeply deeply suppressed feelings (laughs) of that sort of you know surrounding gender and the societal norms of you know being just a girl or a boy just a simple girl or boy in the in the world so that was that was the real thing for me i thank you yeah that was all super good i love them so it's nice to chat about top surgery because i don't really have any other people in my life i don't think that i you know what i mean that i could really chat with that process with so that's nice to get your yeah. view on it. well you know what you can just message me anytime because <laughs> i'm happy to talk about it love that thanks yeah of course sarah how you feeling all right i, I feel very like- mighty quiet over there yeah <laughs> No, I feel like in a lot of our episodes, it's me talk, 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 talk. And this, I knew this episode would be one that I'm really just listening. So um, I love that. And I'm happy, very happy to do so. Um, But so our next topic. uh, So you have a child. I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. I do. I think the, the concept of like you have a child that you carried correct i carried i carried him i did yeah. yes so the journey uh, like i'm i well we're about to dive into it but the journey of gender which we've been discussing um so far combined with pregnancy like i i can mm-hmm. I just i'm imagining that was just a whirlwind of emotions of good and and probably some uh not as good so can you tell us about um, just that experience between like conceiving all the way to um, kind of mm-hmm. where you're at now? I, your your son, correct, is five. 
He's five. Yeah. 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 Okay. So tell so, us about here. The thing about this is that six years ago, when we were trying, I was still in full denial of my transness. I recognized that I was trans growing up in quotations, you know, like I, I was like, but I'm not anymore. I made myself believe that I was no longer trans. Like, obviously that's bullshit, but when I was carrying, I, I always knew that I wanted to carry at least once. I wanted that. Okay. I genuinely wanted to be able to do that for myself. And I wanted to experience the, like, the actual beauty of pregnancy. As crazy as that is, I think that women are so fucking incredible in what they can do. Um, being able to grow a, a human being and then care for them and produce food for them and like all that shit. It's just, it's absolutely, it's crazy to me. But I wanted to be able to do that. And at that time, I just didn't really, I didn't think about that sort of thing. Like, I didn't think about being trans at that time. So when I was carrying, when I was pregnant, my partner at the time was very much like, you don't seem like yourself. You don't seem happy. Like, are you okay? And I was like, I think I'm fine. I just, I don't know. I just don't, I, yeah, I don't feel like myself, but I don't really know why. And it wasn't until like mm. a couple of years after that I was like, oh, like I was experiencing full-blown gender dysphoria because not only was I going through all these different changes emotionally and hormonally like i was becoming more busty mm -hmm. i was becoming more curvy it was be becoming way more evident like how feminine my body was and my body just became this vessel for like someone else and i just didn't i couldn't recognize at that time the dysphoria that i experienced um but like it, it wasn't horrible at the time because, it was, it, you know, you, you suppress all these feelings that you've had for so long that you just continue doing that. And so, um, yeah, once I had him, I, I was very, very much like, I'm not doing that again. I can't. It was not, it just didn't feel good. You know what I mean? Mm. It felt unnatural and whatever. I was happy. I was so happy to be able to bring a human into the world. But I was like, I'm not doing that again. If, no. if I have another kid, it's not going to be from me. Yeah. I'm just saying that, you know. Um, but going forward from then on, like breastfeeding and doing the thing, you can't, it's, it's, it's so crazy what your body does. Like you go into full instinct mode. Like you're a full mama bear. You're like, oh, well, like I got to put my booby in this kid's mouth. Cause like, that's how they eat. You don't think about it. This is like mm. what you got to do. And you're so, so sleep deprived that you don't, you don't have time to think about anything else, but keeping your kid alive, you know? So mm. none of that mattered at that time. I was just like, I felt like a frumpy fucking curvy ass like person but I, at that time it was like the only thing I thought about was this kid I didn't care once I kind of was started to be able to focus on myself a little bit I had you know I got to the point I was like okay I'm ready to 
get my body back to the point where I feel comfortable with myself. You know, so I started exercising and doing the thing to get out of that dysphoria. But again, at the time, I didn't know that's what it was. It was mm. just like this. I know that this is making me unhappy. So that's that's kind of that's how that played out. Mm-hmm. It's okay. very interesting to look back on. Yeah. Well. And, and what crazy. About, what about now? Like, how does it all... Because I'm imagining um, raising a child and being at school with all the other parents and everything like that. Like, how, how does that feel as a transmasculine person? Like, do you face any adversity at, with, with that kind of stuff? No. Honestly, like... I know, at least from what I've seen, I'm the only out trans person um, or parent, I guess, that whose kid attends that school. But I'm I've worked so hard again getting myself to a place where like I'm I just walk through the world confidently as myself. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I really just don't care. I'm like, and I think that actually there was one kid who came up to me a few days ago was definitely a kid who was from a different culture. Like seeing someone like me was new to them, I think. Um, But they just, I was walking to go pick my kid up from school and she just like stopped me and was like, you are amazing. And then just ran away. I was like, Oh my God. Thank you. I was like, that's so cute. So like, I can tell that there's probably like I know that whenever I walk to go pick him up that kids are looking at me, but I think it's more out of curiosity and like being like, oh, you know, and not not out of judgment or anything. And I think the parents are the same. Um, I feel good about it. I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm in a headspace where it's like when I'm in public and people are looking at me, I'm like, yeah, you can look like, look. This is like I can. I'm a human that I'm confident and I thrive. Like I'm thriving, mm-hmm. and like I will not take any sort of criticism or weird, uncomfortable looks to heart because I'm just like, you may not have seen someone like me, or you have maybe haven't seen someone like me who is so confident mm-hmm. in who they are. That I'm like, yeah, look, because I people like me exist. And we can exist and we're going to exist. And we're just going to continue doing that. And being around ch- like kids too. Um, it's really cool to get comments like that from someone who maybe hasn't seen someone like me or something, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it brings me joy. So that's That's really, I've used the word powerful already here. But like, really, there's, again, a lot of people who are in your position that might not be as confident and mm-hmm. would shy away from doing the after school pickup or whatever it might be, or even just going out in public and being themselves. So that's really inspiring yeah. that you've found that place. Uh, you spent many years not in this place and mm-hmm. I'm interested in how, of course I'm, I'm assuming your parents did the best that they could at the time and it's everybody's first time living life. So we're all learning all the time. How do you protect your son 
to not go through what you went through? I don't think it's, I mean, I know that as a parent, you feel this level of wanting to protect your kid, but I think the best protection you can ever provide for them is to raise them in an environment where they can just be completely themselves yes. and to raise them to be confident and prepared for what society brings, you know, like to be communicative and to be a safe space for them to experiment with their clothing or their, their just their self-expression and their identity in general to be accepting and loving no matter what. And I get that, that fear of needing to protect and be like, oh, I'm so scared they're going to get hurt. You know, mm -hmm. I, me and my kid's other mom, like we're so ferociously protective in that way. It's just like, prepare them for these conversations prepare them for like okay yes there are some people that may not agree with this but this is not wrong this is you could be who you are and i think just raising them to be confident humans is like the most important thing and just providing them with the environment in your own home that they can just be themselves not to shame them and to be like yo you can't wear this because what will people say like, what message do you think that passes along to your kids when you automatically make them feel like what they're doing is not okay? Mm -hmm. And, like, I grew up in a home where who I was to one of my parents was absolutely not okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I got shamed horribly for it. And I grew up just kind of not even talking in general. I was afraid of people. So that I developed like a, a horrendous social anxiety. And it's just like, I won't stand for that shit. I'm, I've been so hell bent on breaking the cycle of like this small town, small mindedness that like I've read so many books. I've done just so much. Oh, trying to experience all of these different kinds of points of view and messages and, and trying to, develop my own level of parenting that is just like healthy and supportive and like I th <laughs> I already can see that I have created a confident very opinionated person I did this <laughs> it's fine I love it but like I don't know there's you can only do so much so much protecting yeah. where you can't shelter you can't do that no you just have to prepare them i think yeah. so i think after hearing your answer i think a better way for me to phrase that wouldn't have been how do you protect your child but um how do you encourage to so that they don't go through the yeah. years of wanting shorter hair and not getting it and wanting boys clothing and not getting it and and so, and then you've answered yeah. that is just allowing a space at home that is so open and accepting mm -hmm. of everything. Like Stell, we've talked before here um, at some point in one of one of these episodes about how we grew up and there's the boys' toy aisle and the girls' toy aisle, and and it, at the time it didn't feel like a problem. And again, our parents <laughs> are doing the best they can, and they didn't know either, but. Um, as adults now, we look back on that as like, why was the only toy we were able to play with dolls and cooking and 
mop play play mops and irons and like yeah. it's crazy and so i i i'm yeah. assuming um that that's something saying, that you fucking baking oven things and run every down to one oh the easy bake oven those are fire okay the easy bake oven is fire I did love those. I did. <laughs> I was going to pick and choose what was okay and what wasn't. <laughs> but, I mean, the biggest thing you can do is just provide options. All these options. And you just let them choose. That's what we've always done. It's just like, here is all this clothing. What do you want to wear today? You know? Mm-hmm. Here are all these toys. Go play with whatever you want. It doesn't fucking matter. What, make, what, 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 do you, what resonates with you at the time? You're four. <laughs> like yeah. what's catching your eye it doesn't yeah it doesn't have to be so I, again i think so much of this strictly roots from fear it's just people are afraid mm-hmm. they're afraid with the unknown they're uncomfortable but it's just like raising your kid it's not about you yeah mm-hmm. it's not about you it's about mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. you gotta listen to them you gotta do more listening yeah because they do know mm-hmm. what they want mm-hmm. they know exactly what they want yeah <laughs> like Stop being so scared. It's just like the best thing you can do is prepare them for the world instead of just protecting them from what you think is going to happen if they're this or that. It's just like, no, you sheltering them too much is actually doing damage. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the same with um, like racism and other forms of prejudices. It's like you're born blank slate. Those things are taught. So it's, you know, it's what do we decide? Yeah, yeah. You know, commenting on our on our on our oh. bodies in front of our children and commenting on their bodies. It's just like we don't do that anymore. Yeah. We don't comment on our bodies. You got to well, yeah. it, like if you if you model this behavior where you love yourself, you you've already won. Your kid sees that like these different things about your body are not to be shamed and they're they're lovable and you know like it's it's very similar with gender it's just like oh you want to wear a dress to school cool i love that that's fucking fancy as hell i, I you look great like, carry on yeah you know? <laughs> nice yeah. So do you want to put your hair in a ponytail cool let's do that i love that for you um, yeah i know that's kind of uh how i try and go about with my kids that like I deal with every day like I have some that are kind of in the middle of some things and they're showing some signs of homophobia I have some kids and I'm like what is this writer let's talk about that (laughs) and then it's more because of like how they were raised and you know how how the views that their parents have put on them because it's sad but I know it's not my job but I feel like as much time as I have with them, it is for me to try and like educate and help them understand that it's not a bad thing. <laughs> because like, well, them are. I, I will say, mm-hmm. I will say that it's people like you in a kid's life that makes such a difference. Yeah. So you know what I, I mean. There are people like I, you that I came across that I was just like, I'll never forget this one thing that this person said to yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it matters. And I really appreciate that because last year I was teach. I was not teaching. I was, like, working with a different group of children. Last year I was working with, like, kids on the spectrum and who had autism. And this year I work with a modified group of academic students who are learning at a lower level. 
and who have behavioral issues and come from homes that are broken and some of them don't have their parents some of them do some of them have only one or some of them live with their grandparents some of them are in the system and I have a student long story short father passed away like he is incredible but he's showing signs of like intense homophobia but then also showing other signs at home of curiosity with some Mm. feminine stuff and you know and the mom was like to us, what do we do? Like, and I was like, there's nothing really we can do. That's for him to figure it out on his own. Like, it is not our place to push. It is not our place to pry. Like, at this point, he's going through his motions and he will come talk to us when he feels like he needs and he can. Yeah, and you yeah. just have to yeah. like, kind of put it out there that it is a safe space and that it is somewhere that you can come and talk to us about these kind of things without making it obvious that we are aware of these things, but we want you to know, like, that is something that it is okay and it's not bad. Mm. And, you know, and kind of the reason I switched to these kids is because, yes, I will probably, I will remember the old kids that I used to work with my rest, the rest of my life. I have one who was, I yeah. literally would call him my son because I loved him and we were, he is my ride or die. I see him every single day still to this day. I just don't work with him anymore because he deserves yeah. to be comfortable with other adults as well. <laughs> and so the reason why I switched though is because I was like, I would like to make a bigger impact. And because those students that I was working with before, they probably won't remember me forever. They yeah. might for the first couple of years and they'll probably forget realistically. Um, maybe not. Maybe not. That's true. Like, I mean, maybe not all of them, but some of them, so. like, some of them, like, even forgot me after summer break. And I was like, great. <laughs> love that. But my, my, my kid, he doesn't forget me, but I, I love him. <laughs> um, but like, what I, I feel the like one I is- kids who, I feel like kids who find someone that they relate to when they're when they feel like they're different, like that is something that they will never forget. Yeah, I guess, and that's kind of really why someone. Yeah, someone that makes someone that makes someone feel seen. Yeah, is like there's no no forgetting. That's kind of why I switched to this other class because the other class like. There wasn't much communication. Some most of the kids couldn't really communicate, and so it was hard to find a connection on a deeper level. Whereas with these kids, they're fully functional, um, and they're struggling in finding a path that is healthy and safe for them. And it's like, yeah, my point and what I want is to be that person for them to be in the future. Be like, oh man, like there's this one person. And they really helped me in high school. And, like, that's what I want to be, right? Yeah, and you truly never know what a kid is going through. Because, like, if they don't grow up having anyone to talk to or knowing how to communicate those things, like, I think for me in school, there were teachers that they knew something was going on, but I never would have given them any idea about what it was. Because I didn't know how to. But that doesn't mean that that can't change, right? Like... I think if you're more informed and you're more, you're visibly queer and you're this, you're that, whatever, you're, I think 
teachers are becoming even more of a safe space because they understand a little more about what's going on for kids. There's more of a, there's more of a like reach. Yeah. And sometimes it's the adults, right? Like sometimes like you have to teach the adults, like they're close minded. And, you know, like I work with a lot of adults that are much older than me. And it's like important for me to remind them that it's not really that big of a deal if they don't want to wear this certain clothing because it doesn't align with their gender and that it's important to refer to them as how they want to be referred to and not use their dead name because it's easier and like you know what's fucking annoying to me it's so annoying that people have this this struggle with pronouns because it's like i know there's people in my life that they went by a certain nickname that was like attached like a short version of their full name they're like actually i'm gonna go by this now and people are like, oh, totally. No problem. I'm going to call you this because that's what you want to be called. You don't want to yeah. be this, like, feel like this childish version of you, whatever. As soon as it comes to pronouns, people have a fucking issue with it. I know. And it's really hard. So- actually, it was really bad. I remember last or two years ago when it was my first time at the school, I was doing some supervision and it was really hot out. And one of the students was outside and they were like, they looked like they were going to pass out. And I was like, okay, what's your name? Like, and they were like, um, well, it's this, but I guess if you search me up, it'll be this. And I'm like, oh, okay. Is that your dead name? And they're like, they like looked at me with like, you're in headlights. Like they had never heard an adult ask them that. And I, and they're yeah. like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, what would you like me to refer to you as? Like, what are your pronouns? And they were like, so shocked. And I was like, this is like my first week at this school. And I'm like, how is this shocking to you? Like, how, like, that's a problem. Is that shocking to you that an adult is asking you that and you are surrounded by adults at this school? And yeah. uh, And when I referred to them as like their name, what they preferred to the secretary, the secretary had no idea what I was talking about. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's a problem because. You know, yeah. and, like, I have some students that still come in and see, like, some teachers and they refer to them as their other name because they're like, oh, yeah, I, I call them this because it's easier because, like, it's just how I met them. And I'm like, and it's so not I, about you. No, exactly. And so I go to the student and I'm like, would you rather be called this? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, perfect. And that's all you yeah. have to tell me. And we will never have to have this conversation again. Yeah, and, yeah for sure. Yeah. Oh, what a time. I know, I know. And you had actually talked on something earlier about monogamy, polyamory, and would you would you say you're poly? Like, are you poly? I Sorry, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always... It's funny because, again, the more I delve into the feelings that I felt throughout my life... Mm-hmm. I think I've always been this way. Like, even when I was in high school, I wanted to date more than one person at a time. Genuinely. I I, 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 I feel I'm in the same kind of boat. I've been for as long it. as I can remember. Well, that's the thing is, like, it's it's another binary that we're kind of breaking down, being like, oh, I have to do this if I don't want to. I don't have to be monogamous. Like, this is just one of those things that we get shamed for, but we are taking it back now. Mm-hmm. Um. I think polyamory for me has been actually one of, other than this gender journey, has been one of the most healing things in my life. It's been like me surrounding 
surrounding myself with only emotionally mature people and just it it has absolutely been a catalyst for my own personal growth Mm -hmm. i've learned so much from these people and i've learned so much about myself and Mm. yeah i can't even i can't even fathom not having been going like in this direction have you always been um, in poly relationships or no i was i was in an almost nine-year relationship okay i was married and okay. it was open at some points but then it was not and i really struggled with that you know and um but i you know after that relationship ended i went straight into what i know i needed which was just harnessing all these different connections that were important to me and Mm -hmm. following them and realizing that through as long as I surrounded myself with good humans that were healthy that there was really no going wrong because you know you could experience bouts of like jealousy or the opposite which is compersion which is like excitement for your partner for like their happiness you know like oh you you had you met a new person you have this connection with them i'm fucking stoked for you like that's how i feel i've I've never been the most jealous person really ever i've always just been like excited for someone else's happiness and i just think that's what we should i think that's so important to focus on is like what's gonna make this person happy yeah if it's not me in any way then we need to move on yeah and like yes i've had more breakups in the last year than in my entire life but it's it's been healthy and it's been so like so rewarding because i've taken so much from every single one of them that like i'm now i think officially addicted to self-growth because it's been just so liberating to be like i got through this thing in a really great way i feel Mm -hmm. good coming out of this like this like separating myself from this person intimately Uh that like I'm good, you know? Like, now I'm moving on. Like, this... I I had this great relationship with this person. It didn't work out. But now we're friends because we're healthy humans and we still, like, enjoy, like, some degree of connection that we do have with each other. Mm -hmm. So I think (laughs) as long as you're choosing healthy people, it's Mm. honestly so great. Um, great. I love it. I don't know that I'll ever go back. Really? I don't okay. know that I'll ever get married again. Okay. Are you seeing anyone right now or I do have a primary partner. Yes. Okay. So that's also polyamorous. A primary partner and then how does it work? Yeah, like you there's a few terms, like you could have a nesting partner, like someone you actually live with. Okay. That could be sexual or not. You can have a primary partner who just that can mean I think anything really. Who's just like your main human. Okay. And then you can have secondary, tertiary, whatever. You can have a, uh, um, I think meta is like a term where one of your partners, other partners, um, that you could have a relationship or not with. Okay. Um, I just find it so fascinating. It's just the one of the most fa- like one of the yeah. most fascinating things that I've experienced. And, um, but yes, I do have a primary partner who is 
Right. Yeah, also polyamorous, totally understands me at my core, I feel like. Right. And I, this is the first, like, relationship I've been in where this person has also experienced this polyamorous kind of way of, of navigating relationships, and it's, I like, really like it. It's, a lot. I that's, that's incredible. Um, I, uh, I was in an open relationship for a bit. And that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if it's someone that maybe hasn't done it or, you know, can't handle it or has a lot of insecurities around it, it's not it's not great. No, it wasn't great. <laughs> but I, I, I was glad to try it because any relationship before that, I'd always been like, am I Polly? Like, I mm-hmm. would like to have more than one partner. But I do struggle with the little bit of a jealousy. But I find if I maybe had the right partner yes. and my communication, it would be entirely different. Because because you could you could talk to them and be like, I'm feeling these feelings. And they would just be like, okay, well, your feelings are valid. Mm. First of all, that's like all we ever need to hear. <laughs> and then you just talk about it. Be like, at what point did you feel this way or whatever? And it's like, oh, okay. Thank you for thank you for that. And you feel you uh-huh. feel heard, you feel seen, you feel supported, and then it's not a bit. Then it, it's just like, oh, I'm now going to sit in this jealousy, and I'm gonna then it's going to wash away because you're supported by this person that you're with. As of right now, become... as of right now, I'm monogamous, and I'm not seeing. I'm not. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, so hard launched her girl today. Oh, I. It was an. It was was an accident, but I I did mean to put it on my private story. I didn't really realize it, but I didn't care either. Well, you know what? If if it's good, it's good. Yeah, it is good. It is. I was just gonna say better than two. Better than two. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I have a question about the poly um stuff. Yeah. How do yeah. you go about your child? And, you know, people are always like, oh, when to introduce my partner to my kids, blah, blah, blah. How do you, like, how do you um, involve different partners with your son? I think with my primary, it's very important to me that they have a relationship, you know, and mm-hmm. and that they are someone that actually like really well actually no to to be fair anyone that i involve myself with must be supportive of the fact that i'm a parent because it is a whole part of me mm-hmm. if they don't take any interest in my kid then i don't give a shit about them i'm like bye mm-hmm. you know what i mean but that doesn't mean <laughs> i haven't fully navigated this yet like in a way my primary partner yes has a relationship with my kid and i think it's important to me and them as for secondary partners, I don't know yet. I think I have introduced some secondary partners as just friends, and I think that's really all it needs to be. And then I think from there, it's like we just we just we cross that bridge when we come to it because I don't really know. I think yeah. uh, I think transparency with your kid is important. I do think there is a point where they're maybe a little too young for certain things, but again, kids are intuitive. They're actually way fucking smarter than we think they are. And like, 
they're a product of their environment. Like if you raise them to be open and understanding and in an open home, that that's just exactly what they're going to be, you know? So I think five is a little young to understand these sorts of relationships, but at the, at some point, like they're going to know, they're also going to know that they're, that they're not biologically tied to both of their parents, you know, like there, there's a donor involved and, they're, like relationships are complicated and gender is complicated like there's just so much to just not be afraid to talk to your kid about because <laughs> it's not until you tell like until they're shamed or told that something's wrong that they believe that but if they're raised in, in a in a home where it's like oh this this is what we do but not everybody's like this you know mm-hmm. they have the ability to think for themselves mm-hmm. and so that's that's where I'm at with that. I'm still trying to navigate that part, but cool. Thank you for sharing. And what would you say uh, after all this conversation about relationships and getting rid of the norm and breaking stereotypes and all these things? What do you think the future of relationships looks like? Is monogamy dead? What do you think? I don't think it's dead because I genuinely think there are a lot of people out there that even if they're confident in themselves and their partner just genuinely want to invest themselves in one person there's nothing wrong with that we're not shaming anyone i think there are people like that and that's fine i do think that we are opening a huge pandora's box of possibilities that again with gender it's like you you can choose you know you can choose and this can be fine and yeah we're just i'm just kind of loud and proud about it being like fuck that i don't care this is what makes me happy and fuck Mm -hmm. everything else i don't like i'm not hurting anybody you know yeah like i remember i had uh seen someone when i was seeing when i was attempting open relationships um and they were like, well, why can't you just see what we meet? Like, what is it with this other person? And I said, well, the easiest way for me to put it is how I felt was I was being satisfied in one way by one person, but this other person was satisfying parts in a relationship where this other person just wasn't meeting and I didn't even know that I needed it until I met this other person. Mm, and For sure, 100%. And sometimes it's not even sexual. It's like emotional, you know, and it's yeah, like, yeah. Wow. And that's nice. what I think people need to open their minds up to is that not one person can meet all our needs. It's not possible unless they're like the superhuman of the earth. And, <laughs> you know, like it just doesn't it often just doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. We don't have to, like, I just feel like people put so much fucking pressure on their partner to meet every need. It's not, it's, like, next to impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. So, yeah. So, as far as the future of relationships, I agree. I think the possibilities are growing exponentially, and we're learning more and more about that all the time. And uh, similarly, like, kind of on that wave... What do you see for the future of gender and sexuality and all of that? I mean, 
it's hard to say because I do know I mean I think it's going in a positive direction of course like with the generation that's currently in high school like the more I hear about it I'm like okay like this is changing you know there are certain circles in high school where it's just like you introduce you literally introduce your your gender or your pronouns to people and there's a lot more queerness floating around within these these groups and it's not people don't get bullied for being queer at least in urban areas i shouldn't i shouldn't disclose that part you know because it's not it's not the case in small communities but um there are more resources out there there's more representation there's more power in people using their voices and but there are still people out there that literally don't even know what trans means Mm. like someone literally asked me like a month ago being like trans mean i was like seriously (laughs) (laughs) close-minded people it's 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 gonna take some time it's gonna take some time but i know Mm -hmm. that platforms like tiktok can be very detrimental to people's mental health but it also provides so much representation and so much storytelling for Mm -hmm. the youth of Mm -hmm. the world to be like yo we don't have to live this way you know we can live this way and be happy and it's okay you know but uh i mean again i think it's going in a, a positive direction but there's going to be so many people still fighting against that and there just always will be yeah that's just the way it is it's just about arming our youth with the confidence and the and the the willpower and the courage to be like no i don't think so this is how i'm gonna live my life you know yeah love that yeah that's great frig i guess with that being said with your hopes for the future what kind of impact would you like to have in the career community like moving forward i think my main intention is just to provide that representation that i wish i always had and Mm. to showcase that like we can walk through this world being exactly who we are like authentically ourselves and not have to be apologetic about it and that we can genuinely be happy and let go of so many anxieties that we create within ourselves because of the shit around us you know Mm. i i look back and i I think it's so healing for me because I've actually become the person that I always envied and that I Mm. always like looked up to and I always wanted to wish that I could be. And I was like, that's not attainable. That's not possible, you know? Um, So like, I feel like my story is something where it's like, no, this is possible. Like you can do this. Mm -hmm. Like everything that's happening to you is preparing you for who you're going to be. And although it may feel shitty at the time, like, you're going to learn so much from it. And I find myself naturally mentoring younger people because it's like, I'm so open about it that I'm always like, you can do this, you know? Um, So the impact that I want to continue having is just, you know, helping kids like who I was to, like navigate this world and get Mm -hmm. through it because 
uh, you know, it's it's really, really common for trans youth to not make it past their teenage years. You know, it's it's like it's like it's sad to me knowing that me existing at 32 as a trans person that like I made it. I made it to this age. This is not common. You know, I want that to not be the case anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would be good. Wow. Well, thank you for all of that. That has been a very, I don't know. I feel like I've, I've just been listening mostly this whole time and I've learned a lot and, um, I am very glad that we were able to have you here. So thank you for sliding into my DMs on TikTok last fall. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. I can't. Is there anything else you'd like to say? What? Go on. No, I just was saying if there's anything else you'd like to say. I don't know. Do you have anything you want to leave our viewers with? I think like the biggest thing here is just like genuinely listen to yourself what the hell do you want what do you want stop thinking about everyone else just listen to what you actually want because you're going to circle back to that at some point in your life if you don't just listen to it now anyway and you're gonna just save yourself from a lot of fucking bullshit a lot of hardship you know do the damn thing just do it. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Let it be known. That's amazing. Oh, um, one one last thing. Uh, I totally forgot to mention this at the start. Um, so for you for those of you who do not know, there was a recent iPhone update. I and Sarah is the queen of sending voice clips and now they give you a transcript of what you say on this and uh i got a text message from sarah and i had just finished work it was around two in the morning here and she sent me a message and it goes along the lines of do you have an iphone update when you send a voice no it creates a transcript of what you've said. And I, I won't. Actually, you might as well just read the whole thing. I don't know. Please, please share. Sarah said, I love you, Sarah. I hope you know this. Oh, my God. Sarah said, and you can tell me if you really don't want me to say I won't. Go, 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 go forth for now. Sarah said, I just sent a voice clip of me coming and I said ha 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 shut up (laughs) and she said fucking dead I said no I haven't updated it but this is really this is like the funniest fucking thing though and she said if I show you will you promise not to kill me and I said no no no, I don't want it (laughs) and then I said ha ha oh like a screenshot (laughs) and she was like ha 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 and I was like yeah that's fine that screenshot is fine I don't want the voice clip though (laughs) and she said you're going to die (laughs) I know I can never send the voice no we couldn't be friends after that true 
and I, yeah. and I'm gonna read you. No, no. <laughs> uh, yes, please do. Sarah, can I please read my thoughts? It... I will use the fake name. Right? Are you gonna use the fake name we've established? Everything. So okay, so I sent a voice note of myself getting on Clearly. Yeah. to the girl yeah, yeah. that I'm involved with. And when I sent yeah. it, it auto produced a transcript of what I was yes. saying. Okay. So Very well, I don't think I should read it, but it I really want to. Come <laughs> on, you're so bad. <laughs> I did, you know I what? We should normalize the spicy voice notes. We should normalize nudies. We should normalize taking back the word slut. We just gotta do it. Like, why not? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can start years now, but it's fine. <laughs> but it's just so cringe. I promise it, it was hot. It was hot. I, I promise. It just doesn't sound like it when you're reading it off a transcript. It sounds like so funny. funny. I did say, though, after she was like, no, I couldn't send a voice clip. No, we couldn't be friends with that. And I said, I'd actually cut off my own ears. And she said, this is the most embarrassing thing I've ever shared with you. Ha ha ha. And I said, after reading it, I responded with, never mind. Actually going to rip out my eyes instead. (laughs) And she said, oh, my God, telling us on the podcast tomorrow is going to be hilarious. I was like, I cannot wait. I'm gonna read it. And then you know, I was like, I was like, you're not gonna read it. And then she was like, I've been practicing all day. I was like, you're not gonna read it. I was reading it over, and I was like, how do I want to say this today? <laughs> it's too much. I will, I will leave it for the viewers to come up with what you think Sarah said. And you know what? That can be a job for the viewers. I want Thanks. you guys to. I think I have an up. idea. Come up, like, um, oh, I think I have, yeah, I think sure. I have a slight, slight I'm, idea. Yeah, I'm sure you have a great idea. <laughs> and I cannot wait to see what the viewers think you had said. And you know what? I'm gonna make a poll. Actually. I'm gonna make a poll. <laughs> and whoever wins gets a freaking, I don't know, something, but engage the people. Yes. Yeah. So amazing. Oh, That's all I wanted to get in before we have this out here. Stella, thank you for sliding that in somehow <laughs> to what was not what we were talking about. Oh my God. I just needed to get it in it's before. It's called end. ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. I know this. You know. Yeah. That's Anyways, that's enough for today. Anywho, any, any, um, Thank you again for everything. You've been incredibly educational and inspiring and very comforting and entertaining at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so glad. For yours for having first, me. For your first podcast, it was amazing. Like you were perfect and we really, really appreciate it. And maybe we'll have another um feature of yours on an episode sometime yeah. in the future we'll let the viewers decide if i'm worthy yeah pass or fail as <laughs> yeah Literally. this was the test yeah amazing yeah all right that being thank said, you so much i was really happy to do this so good awesome we're happy you enjoyed your time and uh, really hope the, the viewers enjoy and that's that's being said 
give them a follow uh, and uh what's your what's what's your tiktok what's your insta my tiki talk is at kato underscore ray your pal kato you know just i'm sure you've seen i'm sure you've probably come across me if you're queer in any fashion i hope so anyway. <laughs> and we'll 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 have your your instagram handle on our posts when we share everything yeah. so um, you guys totally. know where to give them a follow and we'll hopefully have you back sometime in the future. For sure. Can't wait. Amazing. Cool. Everyone for listening and remember to like and subscribe and we'll see you next week. So uh, thanks for coming, guys. Thanks for coming. Bye. Bye.